0: It is so true. Life is better together. And uh, are you glad to be together this morning? Let me hear you. A little slow, a little minute ago with Kurt takes a while for the donuts and sugar to kick in. I get it. I totally get it. But hey, listen, if you weren't here uh, last week, let me just say Happy New Year. So glad that you're with us this Sunday. And uh, my name is Kenny. I'm the campus pastor. And if you're a guest, it really does mean a lot you'd give us a few minutes of your time today. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And uh, I love that video on small groups, by the way. My wife and I, we have been in a small group of some type for years and years and years and years. And we will never, never do anything different. We want small groups to always be a part of our life. As a matter of fact, this past week, we had dinner over at someone's house and everyone in uh, at that dinner was, uh, we were all in a small group together a couple of years ago. So just kind of a reconnecting. They're starting their own small groups now, which is really, really cool. And I got home and I told Valerie, I said, golly, I just always need this in my life. So I don't know about you, but I need people in my life who know my life and who still love me anyway and who are gonna pray with me, encourage me along the way. And so if you are not in a small group, and I know that 50% of you are not in a small group right now, what a great time of the year and a great new year to get involved. So many different kinds of groups, men's groups, ladies' groups, couples' groups. Uh, I am doing a group called Starting Point and it will meet in Fieldstone Community Clubhouse right behind us here. And it is a journey through the Bible in a story kind of way. And so if you want to just know more about the Bible, it's kind of foreign to you, or maybe you have one that you don't understand, you know, it's a bunch of these and well, what Why is that? I would love for you to be a part of my group. We also have, for the very first time, a Hispanic group starting. And so if that's if that's your vibe, then just find a small group and get plugged in. Cannot, cannot say enough about that. And all that was free. So there you go. There's my plug and my commercial. Hey, last week I gave you a question. I want to just kind of reiterate that question for you again in case you weren't here, what is your dream for 2020? What is it for you? Not like a, uh, not like a goal, goals are great, um, but what would be your dream? It's almost in a dream is almost impossible, you know? It's like I don't even know if this can actually take place because it's dreamy in a sense. But what is it for you? Maybe for you it's a relationship, maybe for you it's finances, maybe for you it's something with your career, maybe just a personal dream that you have for your life and it actually seems impossible. And if you were here, then you remember me talking about just the power of dominoes and the synergy that dominoes can have in one's life because when when we have a dream, the dream is like way out ahead of us. And it's easy to be here and look at the dream to think there's no way that's going to happen. That is absolutely impossible. But the power of dominoes is not that you try to attempt this. The power of a domino effect is that you just simply attempt this that this is doable. You just do the next right thing. And we talked about, I encourage you to go online if you weren't here, that there is power and synergy behind the movement that's created with just the next right step. So just do the next right thing headed in line towards your dream. And this is the domino effect question for all of us in the room, and that's this. What is the one thing I can do today that moves me closer to my dream? What is the one thing? Not the many things, maybe not even the big thing, but what is just the one thing that you can do that will just take you one step closer to the dream that you have for your marriage? What's the one thing to do? Because you're going, that is a dream. Trust me, it's in shambles. Okay, so instead of thinking about how to change the marriage, just what's the next right one thing you can do today that will move you toward that dream financially for you? You think, man, we are so in debt. There's no way we're going to get out of this. Okay, what is just the next right thing you can do today? This is the domino effect of what takes place. And we talked about last week, God's dream. That God actually has a dream. And he has a dream for the church. And he talks about it in scripture over and over. Jesus uh, displayed his dream for people in the church. And in a minute, I'm going to talk to you about something he said about the church that's very, very interesting. And maybe you heard it in a different way growing up, but we're going to talk about it. But God's dream of a church, uh, just kind of recap last Sunday, that God's dream of a church is a place where everyone is welcome. Doesn't matter your background, your baggage, color of your skin, how much money you have, where you've lived, what your story is, every single person is welcome. It's not a club. The church is more like a hospital, it's more like a rehab for all of us, right? Yeah, there's people in rehab because they know I'm speaking the truth right there. It's a place where we come to go, I'm broken, and there is one person who I need to speak into my life, and that's God himself who made me, who loves me. So you come, no matter your background or what your situation is, you are welcome at this place. God's dream is for a church where arms are open and everyone is welcome. God's dream of a church is where everyone is serving, that he's given you a gift and a talent and a skill, some kind of ability that you have. And when you put your ability together with everyone else's ability, amazing things can happen as a church family. And then the last thing we said is God's dream of a church is where everyone has changed. You know, everyone is welcome. Come just as you are, but don't stay that way. Let him change you into who he wants you to become. And scripture is very clear that God's dream for you, the person sitting in your chair, his dream for you is that you would look more and more like his son. You would think like him. You would act like him. You would have his desires in your own life. And so everyone is welcome. Come just as you are, but don't stay that way. Let him speak into those dark areas of your life that you know you can't even fix because you've tried but let him speak and change those things. Well, today I want to talk to you about uh, just fleshing that out a little bit more. And there was a moment in Jesus's life where he took his disciples to a place that for them, it just weirded them out. Like they could not believe Jesus was even taking them to this spot. And in doing so though, he presented another aspect or important foundational point for God's dream for the church. And it's in the book of Matthew. And here's what uh, it says. in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, so Caesarea Philippi is a, is a northern part of Jerusalem in, uh, in that area, so it would take them days to travel uh, beyond Jerusalem to get there. And when they get there, like, again, the disciples are with him, and they're going, we're going where? Like, We're going to Caesarea Philippi. Now, here's a picture of the place where he took them. And we'll zoom in in just a moment. But some things I want to point out to you real fast. Caesarea Philippi was an interesting, interesting place. This was a place to where it was believed that the spirits of the underworld lived. And if you look all the way to your left, you see that big, dark hole? That's exactly what it is. It's a big, really big, dark hole. It's a cave. In Jesus' day, the water would actually flow from that cave, go through, the, uh, through the, uh, the rock region, flow all the way and find its way out of the mouth of that cave and flow to the water that you see at the bottom of the, uh, of the picture there. Um, here's what people believed. They believed that that cave was the mouth or the gateway to the underworld. Um, When it was cold in the winter, all of these gods would go down into the mouth of this cave and this is where they would live. And in the spring, they would come back up out of the mouth of the cave. Well, what the people started believing was this. We can get those gods or those spirits to come and bless us, to come and be with us. And they believe that those spirits or those gods were actually fertility gods. Jesus is basically taking the disciples to the red light district. And they can't believe it. They're they're thinking to themselves, why are we in Caesarea Philippi? You are a Jewish rabbi. Like you shouldn't even be here. This is so wrong because to draw the spirits out of the underworld, there was prostitution rampant right there. There was a temple dedicated to the God of Pan, where sexuality was rampant with animals, prostitutes. It was the craziest, craziest place and Jesus is bringing them here. And then when they get there, you know, you got to know they're going, what are we doing at Caesarea Philippi? And here's what Jesus continues the conversation. Here's what he says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, such an interesting question, who do people say the son of man is? Now, the son of man, he's referring to himself. That is a title that was given to him, the son of man. Who do people say the son of man is? Now, I just want to throw this out there. This is just free. Don't ever do this in your office. Don't do this in the gym. Don't do this at the lunch hour. So who who do people think I am? What's the word on the street about me? Don't ever try it. The response will be simple. Nope, there's no word. Nobody's thinking about you but you. Nobody's talking about you but you. You're on nobody's radar. If they are talking about you, you don't want to hear what they're saying about you to begin with. You've got to know, you've got a pretty solid answer coming back to ask this question. Who do people? What's the word on the street about me? The response? Well, that, they replied. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, um, still others—what uh, we heard—oh, yeah, Jeremiah, or maybe just one of the other prophets. In other words, people are talking about you, and they don't really know. Like they're trying to figure you out, and here's all they really know: you're from God, somehow, some way. How you talk with the authority you speak with, the miracles you do, there's no doubt. There's no doubt you're connected with God. Are you like reincarnated from one of the prophets, Elijah? You know, people don't really know to be reliant honest, Jesus, but the word on the street, there is a lot, a lot, there are a lot of opinions about you. And then he asked the question that everybody has to answer, but what about you? who do you say I am? See, every person has to answer that question. Uh, Like you, (laughs) no one thinks about you but you. Everybody at some point has thought about Jesus. He, he, he's not just someone you just never think about. He's never in discussion. You either love him, you hate him, or maybe you don't think he really was who he said he was, but there's always an opinion about Jesus. And Jesus turns to these guys and he looks at them and goes, okay, everybody's talking about me, but I got a question for you. Who do you think I am? Now, here's what's so crazy. When you move in closer to that cave, here's a picture of it. The cave is to the left. That's kind of the mouth of where it begins. But if you look into the rocks, you can see these indentions, these carvings. This is where all of the false gods that they were worshiping, these idols were put into the, into the, into the heart of this wall of this mountain, if you will. So Jesus has brought them to the place where they are believing where these these spiritual false gods come in and out of this cave water where they would actually beckon these spiritual gods to come and bless them, the gods of fertility. They would actually take their kids and murder their kids, throw them in the river. If their kid went down into the mouth of the cave, that god was pleased with them. If the kid went the other way, they knew they had offended the gods. He's standing there now in the midst of where that cave is, also known as the gate Of the underworld. He's standing there now in front of all of these false gods just in this cave. There's a temple to my left and your right that's not on the screen, and he's going, I want to know something. In front of all of these false gods, who do you say I am? What is your opinion about me? It is the most important question you will ever answer. What is it? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah. You're the one, you're the Christ, you're the blessed one. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by anyone else, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. He changed his name. Now this was weird because all the disciples probably, when he said Peter, they probably went, (laughs) you got a new name. Is Peter. Now, what's interesting about that is the word is actually pebble, small rock, little bitty stone is what Jesus is using to describe his life. You go, why is that important? Because watch the, nest, the, the rest of it. Um, and I tell you that you are Peter, little bitty pebble, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, I want, I want to talk about this just for a minute while it's on the screen. So I want you to see something. Here's what Jesus said. On this rock... He did not say, on you, the rock. There's denominations that believe Jesus was looking at Simon Peter going, I'm going to build my whole church on you. His name is Little Bitty Pebble, Little Bitty Stone. When Jesus said, I'm building my church on the rock, that rock was massive, huge, ginormous, boulder, i.e. the rock behind me is a perfect example. Hey, Simon Peter, guess what you are? You are just one little bitty domino on this rock. Well, what was he talking about then? On this, go back to the statement that what Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the one. Jesus is saying, Simon Peter, what you have said, make no mistake. Every single person like you, Simon Peter, is just a little bitty stone. But what you said about me that I'm the one I'm going to build my church, Simon Peter, it's not your church. It's my church. And here's what my church is going to do. My church, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. They've got like the gates of Hades right there is what's believed. These spirits are coming. to. Now, what is a gate for? Gate is not on the offensive. A gate is on the defensive. Jesus is saying this. I'm starting a movement and there's not a gate of hell that will prevent what I want to accomplish. And it's on the offensive. We're moving. We're going to do amazing things. It is a revolution, and I'm going to use you guys, just little bitty rocks, I'm going to use you to change the world in a revolution where people come to identify me as the one true living God, the Messiah, is who they're going to say. And for every single person from that point on who would say from their heart, You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God, they become part of. Jesus' church on the move. Now, you got to know, the disciples are sitting there going, you're joking, right? Like, you're you're gonna use us, right? Like, no, we're fishermen, we're tax collectors. We're like, nobody wants to use us. It's why we couldn't get a rabbi to ask us to follow them. You're the only one, and you're going to use us. And Jesus says, I'm gonna use you, but make no mistake, it's my church, it's not your church, and my church, is going to be on the move, and it's going to do some amazing things to reach people from the slums of Africa all the way to the penthouses of New York. My name is going to be known, and my church is going to expand. That's an amazing promise from God and a comforting promise as well from him going, it's my church, it's not your church, and it will continue to expand no matter the forces that comes against it. I remember when I came here to the bridge 16 years ago, almost 17 years now. I remember coming and um, we took a staff retreat, our very first staff retreat that we went on together. And I remember us sitting around, our senior pastor, Scott Rambeau, was, of course, leading our staff meeting times together. And there was a paradigm shift that was starting to happen with us. Believe it or not, we used to wear coat and ties. I only got two of those in my closet and they're like 14 years old. I mean, we used to wear like coat and ties. There were big thrones on stage. You might remember, you've been to a church where it's like, who sits in the big chair? Oh, the big guy does. I mean, like it was that. There was like a choir with robes. Nothing wrong with robes. I don't have one, but maybe you do. I mean, nothing wrong with that, but that's who we were. And we, I remember sitting at this staff retreat going, what, what if we just had a paradigm shift? What if everything just changed. And our our senior pastor was leading this discussion going, what if, what if we made it more about a relationship with him rather than a religion about him? That sounds very similar. Universes apart. Because here's what that would mean. His church Make it all about him. So we actually took our purpose statement at the time. And everybody has a purpose statement. You may not have written it down, but your life is driven by something. Your organization probably has one on a plaque in a hallway somewhere. You're like, we do? Yeah, or it's in a folder somewhere. But everybody has one. Every organization has one. Ours was really long. It took forever to read it. And we were like, do people even know what that is, number one? And can people even repeat it even if we told them? And around the room, it was like, nope, 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 nope. Well, let's just change it. So our mission statement became very simple. Taken from this passage and from when Jesus said, the most important thing you can do is love God. It was this, to lead people to fall more in love with Jesus. That's it. It's his church. He's the leader. He's the head of this thing. What if we just lead people to fall more in love with him? And then we started talking a little bit more and we were like, Okay, what's going to be like the, the, the prerequisite to get in this place, right? Like, what's how can people, do they need to know like the secret handshake? You know, I mean, what, how's that, how's that going to go down? And we were like, yeah, what if we just make it this? No perfect people allowed. That'll work. You want to know why? That fits everybody. And if you know someone who thinks they're perfect, please don't invite them. They'll mess up everything God's doing here. No perfect people allowed, but we know the one who is because Simon Peter said it and Jesus said, you're right. I'm the one, the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. You lead people to me and I'll change their life. Don't make it about a religion, make it about a relationship any and every way that you possibly can. And I'm just telling you, God started doing some things. It's one thing that God started doing was that he started helping all of us see that the, that the stories, the life change stories is what matters most. That people starting to connect with him, it matters more than anything else. So we always were asking, hey, what's God done in your life? Man, share your story with us. Email us. I'm gonna share some next week with you that are just so powerful. It's so fun to even talk about. It's what we do at staff meetings. And then we started thinking, well, you know what? What if? What if we did something like really crazy? Because the Sugarland campus, which is where um, where the uh, the bridge actually started in Sugarland, what if because of our growth, we did something like super crazy? Because Jesus said that my church is going to be on the move. It's a revolution. It's my church and it's going to expand, not just build one big building and invite everybody to it. Nothing wrong with that. There are some amazing huge church buildings that blow my mind just to go in them and they're incredible. Incredible. There's one on 59. You walk out the doors and you can see it. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's huge. It's incredible. But what if? What if the church wasn't about a building? It wasn't about a location. But it really was what Jesus said, my church, my people, I'm going to grow them and expand them. So this place put a uh, a sign in the front that said, theater coming in Palladium. You remember when it was called the Palladium? Palladium theater coming. So we called, and we're like, hey, man, what's the story? Can, is a church ever met in there? And they're like, no, you're first on the list. We said, awesome. And so we decided, what if we started a church in a theater? I had a good buddy of mine that at the time in Louisiana had the largest theater church in America. I called him up, and I said, Justin, how do you do this? He said, We still don't know, to be real honest. It's crazy, man, I'm just telling you. It's just crazy. We have no idea what we're doing. And so now, after after being in this theater for six and a half years, can I just tell you, I know what he's talking about. We still don't know what we're doing. I don't know if that encourages you or not, but we don't. But here's what we do know. God's changing people's lives, so we're going to stick with that as we lead people to fall more in love with him. As a matter of fact, in six and a half years of launching this campus, Um, This many salvations have taken place, 507 salvations. I want you to think about that. Absolutely, absolutely. In six years, 507 people in this theater have checked the box. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and I surrender everything to you. And their eternity is set to be with him for the rest of their life. 507 people whose lives and eternities are forever changed because we started this campus with 85 people. That's crazy to me. Um, The uh, baptisms that came, 422 people in this room were baptized and dunk and if you've never been baptized and that worries you listen don't be worried at 422 only two people have drowned it was a sad day for them but it was awesome it's just kind of now i'm just playing and it's just amazing so we were like gosh what if we just cheer life change what if we make that's what we celebrate is people's lives forever being changed within a another paradigm shift of thinking of going my my goodness man well, what if, what if instead of just doing one campus, what if we expanded wanting more people to know about Jesus in somewhere else? So for the past two years, our staff have been praying about where do we go? Where, where Where's the growth going, God? Where do we think you're leading us? And through a lot of prayer, a lot of discussion, Fulsher is a place where we're thinking, man, that would be a great place to start a church or another location. God, if at any point you want to move it, going, okay, I didn't, I, I, I meant Frisco, not Fulsher. You missed us. You got that. But, you know, I said, okay, God, we'll follow you. We're not perfect, but let's give that a shot. So conversations started happening. And so I want to just answer real fast why Fulsher. Why Fulshire? Well, you can see on our map, and there is something about this. You can see our Sugar Land campus located, of course, in Sugarland. Regal campus is where we are. And then you can see the Fulshire campus of where we're wanting to go. And you can see there's kind of a, a, a similar distance between them. And here's why. A recent study was done that 80% of Christians, Christians, don't want to drive more than 20 minutes to a local church. Save on gas, I guess that's good. So 20 minutes. So think about a non-Christian how far they will or will not drive if they're going to go to church at all. So what we simply want to do is... Let's just follow the growth and let's just follow that trend of where the growth is happening to hopefully reach more people. And that's exactly the first thing that I would say, why Fulcher? The growth projections. The growth projections are crazy. Um, Here's a a, a little map that helps you out with that. Right now, 2020, there are 18,000 residents. 10,000 have checked through different surveys, through voting records, whatever, that 10,000 of those residents are unchurched. Um, if you look in just ten years, it's projected seventy-five thousand residents, forty thousand people are unchurched. Just like Sugarland, the growth moved from Houston towards Sugarland, then the growth started moving to Katy. The growth is happening west of Houston, going to the Fulshear in that area, and so we want to do what happened here. Let's follow the growth. God, we want to go where people are. We want to go where people need you. That's where we want to go. The second thing was this, is the bridge presence. One of the reasons we started this campus is because so many people started moving out here. Fieldstone wasn't here yet. Longmeadow Farms was established. So many people were coming to the bridge from this area. So why not start where people already are? Same with Fulsher. So many of you drive from from Fulsher to here. Some people drive even past Forscher to get here. One guy last week, because I mentioned Forscher, he said, man, I'm glad y'all are going to Fulcher. It takes me 35 minutes to get here. And that's not counting tollways. So this is going to be great for him and his family. So let's just go exactly where the growth is. But also the growth projections because of Regal Campus. We started in one theater. We actually had three theaters that we started in, one for the adults and two for kids. And now we're in seven theaters. We're in three services. We started with just one in a smaller theater. So because you guys love people and you invite people, we're growing. And so many of you who live in the Fulcher area or even beyond the Fulcher area, to go and help start this location would free up space so that we can continue to grow as well. So uh, the the bridge... um, Uh, growth projections, the bridge presence that we already have in Fulsher, and then the location and the favor. Again, we started talking about the Fulsher area about two years ago. Our senior pastor and our family director, Joel Owens, went and actually met with the principal, Dan Ward, amazing guy, unbelievable storyteller. But Dan Ward at Fulsher High School um, is a guy who was a, he was a, a turnaround principal, um, in other words, his entire uh, career was going into schools that needed a major turnaround for different reasons, and he would just turn it around. Forster High School is his first high school that he's had by himself. So it's a brand new campus, brand new school, and they are just already just trending upwards. He's doing unbelievable things. He liked us so much, he was like, yes, hey, I want you to meet our assistant principal. So we met with them. A couple of months ago, I'm saying a couple months ago, this was right at the, at the uh, beginning, toward the end of the school year of 2018, right before the summer. Sorry, it was around April or May. And so our staff went and bought Chick-fil-A for the entire staff. Now, this is a funny story because all the tables are set up. All the teachers are there. Chick-fil-A is everywhere. We went with the Jesus chicken instead of Popeye's. And so everybody's there. And our staff is just kind of hanging out at tables, talking with different people. And our senior pastor was actually talking with a couple of ladies. And he was like, what would make the school better for you guys? I mean, you guys are just killing it across the board in every single way. Brand new school, beautiful school. And one of the ladies looked at him and went, a margarita machine. Keep in mind, she didn't know he was a pastor. That's funny for later on. But he was like, that's what I'm talking about right there. He was like, nah, I don't know how that would work, you know, drinking during hours, but nothing wrong with margaritas. She was like, I know, right? Get us a margarita machine. They all ate. And then the principal, Dan Ward, invited our pastor to come up to say a few words and to pray. He introduces Scott. And at the table, the lady is like, oh, my gosh. He goes up. He talks and talks about who we are as a church, where no perfect people are allowed, where we don't want to be a church. We do not want to be a church that reaches church people. If you came from a different church here, I'm so glad you're here. You're welcome to come. Get in the game now. We're here to reach people who aren't here yet. We're here to reach broken people. We're here to reach lost people. We're here to reach hurting people. We're here to reach people who need to make the statement in their life, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and I need you in my life. It's why we started this campus and it's why we're starting the the third campus in Fulshire. He shares that. We're here to reach people who've been burned by church. We're here to reach people who gave up on church a long time ago. We're here to reach people far away from God. He prays. Afterwards, this lady comes up to him and says to him, do you mean all of that? No perfect, I mean, you, you, you really mean all that? He said, yeah, I actually got a tattoo on my arm right here, N-P-P-A, no perfect people allowed. She said, my son got burned by church. Got it, gave up a long time ago. He said, if you really are the kind of church that you just described, he might give that a shot. But even if he doesn't, I want to come. You tell me when you're starting and I'll be the first family here. This is a reason of why we want to expand what God's doing. And we want to let others know who he is for their life. So the location of favor. And the fourth reason of why Fulcher, we love people. (laughs) You go, couldn't that be any city? Yeah, it could. But it's just who we are. It's who you are. We give, we serve. It's not about us. It's a motto of life. It's about him, not about us. And we love people. And so let me tell you um, before, because I'm I'm running out of time. What part do you play? As I mentioned before, we are going to one church in three locations. But it means something else as well. What is one, one person, the three things that they can do? It might be all three. It might be just one or two of where you are, but I want to share them with you because everybody's going to be involved in this somehow, somewhere, and if you're a guest, it doesn't apply to you, unless you want it to apply to you, of course. But how can you get involved? Number one, and that's this, is a step out. Some of you need to go and help launch this campus. I'm hoping that 200 of you sign up to go and help launch this campus. Now, I cannot explain. I wish I could, maybe next week somehow, some way. I cannot explain how exciting, how crazy it is to be on a launch team of doing what we're doing. It was crazy. It was crazy. People just walking around in the hallways after the first two weeks of starting going, this is crazy. I know the lights just went out in the theater. It's crazy. I mean, it's just like, just trying to figure it out. But it was so fun. There was a a camaraderie and a unity that was made of attempting something so incredible, a dream way beyond what any one person can do, but you're watching the dominoes of all of our lives line up and do it together. So for some of you, God may be calling, you need to go you need to go and help launch this thing and reach people far away from me. Others of you, it might be that you step up because when many of you go, you're already serving. Some of you need to serve if you're not serving. So get in the game now. Find a place where you need to serve. Volunteer is happening right after this. If you want to take the tour of everything we do on Sunday morning, you can just find a place where you can get involved and step up and get involved in the game of serving those who will continue to come even to this location. And the third thing that we'll all do is we'll give. We started this campus by the Sugarland Campus giving $2 million, raised $2 million dollars for us to do what we needed to do. You go, man, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it is a lot of money. But you need to understand, we had to buy every crayon, every cord, every speaker, every projector, every light, moving trailers. I mean, it just cost. And that would give us two years for this campus, just like it did for us, to then become sustainable. And so what does $2 million look like now with two campuses, real simple. Are you ready for this? 99.99. If every person who calls the bridge their home for $100 a month for two years, we do it, we knock it out. $2,400 in two years from every person, knock it out. So my question to you would be, how can you get involved in helping us financially? Now, I wanna throw this out there. You know we don't talk about money at this place a whole lot. I wanna throw this out there. Some of you may be in a financial situation where you can't give, that's okay pray like crazy and serve like crazy until God changes your financial situation. Some of you can give way beyond that and together it's that everybody does something together that we really will see God do some amazing things that we could never do on our own but we really can do it together and you have this in your chair just as a reminder that we're one church in three locations but we're also you're one person who can get involved in three different ways and on the back Together, we're going to be a bridge of hope to those around us and those in the Fulcher area. When is this happening? We're going to launch this in fall. That's the dream. That's the goal. We had plans to launch this theater uh, on Easter Sunday. Big storm came through. All the floors warped, and they said, hey, uh, you got to wait. So we then launched in fall. Same thing may happen. We don't know. We'll stay flexible. Follow God. But keep this with you. Put it somewhere. Next Sunday, next Sunday. I hope that you come back with a commitment that you want to make in helping, helping us to know uh, for other people to know more about Christ. You can go online as well and find out how you can get involved. Go online today and you can do that. But more than anything, just be in prayer. I want to pray for us and then we're going to go. Okay. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for today. I'm so grateful that we serve a big God who does really, really big things really big things. God, thank you for doing the impossible. Thank you so much that you make a way when we can't make a way. And God, thank you that you use imperfect, fallible people to do your work. It's so hard to understand, so hard to fathom, but God, it's that you are changing us along the way. God, I pray that you would use us God, put on our hearts how we should step up, where we should step up. God, if we should step out. And God, how we can give to fund your church, not ours, to see people come to fall more in love with you. In your name I pray, amen.